you're still enough keep me within your love my heart will sing your praise again
Hey, good morning, Living Hope. Uh, so glad that you're able to join us again this Sunday morning. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, we just want to welcome you as well. Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday. If you are new, uh, we want to get to know you as well. So after service, we do have a welcoming table over there. We want to get to know you and say hi. You can also come up to me. I want to get to know you as well if you are new to our church this morning. Um, if you are able, if you could rise at this time and join me as we prepare our hearts for worship. And for those of you online, if you can start preparing your hearts at, uh, during this time. You know, one of my favorite uh, verse is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. This verse says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it's not from your own doing, but it's a gift from God. This verse is the gospel that presents to us, given to us every single Sunday here at Living Hope. It's amazing to know that it is not what we've done, or we're not here to celebrate what we've done, and it's not what we've done that saves us, but rather it is the very work of Christ, Christ on the cross for our sins, for our shame, our guilt. He took that upon himself, because he took that upon himself, he has given us a new life in him. That is a beautiful message. That is a beautiful story. This is the very message we want to proclaim to us every single Sunday. So as we gather here, as we sing songs of praises, may we be reminded of his character. As we hear his word, may we remember the very truth that he has spoken to us. And as we gather, may we encourage one another. May we love one another so that we can point each other to Christ, who is our King, who is our Lord. Won't you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we gather here this morning, and Lord, we want to first start off by thanking you. God, we thank you that we can gather in this building. Although there is a pandemic that is happening, Lord, you still allow us to gather to worship your name. Lord, some of us here may have, may be coming out and maybe forgetting why we come and gather on this Sunday. Lord, as we stand here hand in hand as a body, may you remind us that, Lord, we gather here not to celebrate the very work that we've done, but Lord, we gather here to celebrate you. We gather here to worship you. And Lord, you are worthy of our praise because, Lord, you love us. And you sent your son Jesus to die upon the cross for our sins. So God, some of us here may be at the highest of highs. Some of us may be at the lowest of lows. But Lord, wherever we are, meet us. Remind us of this very truth. That God, that you are with us since the very beginning. And you will be with us to the very end of the age. So we thank you and we celebrate this truth. And all of God's people said, amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. And for those
those of you online, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, let's just worship this morning and sing together and lift up our voices to our God in heaven.
Hi, Living Hope. So I'm out here actually at a Sola Leaders one day event. This is at our own patio. Uh, you guys will probably recognize. For many of you who've been part of our church, some um, have known the name of Sola, but I'm not really sure if everyone knows what the network is about. This is a network that our church have contributed to, and as far as I know, actually, we have uh, started the network a few years ago for the goal of reaching to the emerging generations, college students and young adults alike. And what's been happening is because of the pandemic, our annual conference has been canceled, but thanks be to God, with getting a COVID situation more under control, we have been able to do today, April 24th on a Saturday, host a bunch of leaders and pastors from local churches while we are filming some content for online. So what you're seeing here is lunchtime with some of the leaders that are having dialogues and conversations, in particular over the issues of women leadership as well as racial justice. And so I hope that uh, this has been an informative thing for you and that if you go on any website uh, for uh, sola.com, network or follow Instagram or Facebook at Sola Network, you can receive more information. There's articles, there's blogs, there's audio content, there's YouTube channels. So please keep Sola in prayer. Thank you. You, but every time I look at Pastor James, it just brings a smile on my face. Uh, I think he'll make a new, great news reporter. Uh, just, I, don't, I've, I didn't notice, but he had his iPhone in his hand. I, I don't know what that was, but I guess it's his mic. But uh, good morning, everyone. Actually, it's like good afternoon. I don't even know what this time period is. But so glad you're here joining us uh, in person and online today. Uh, can we spend a few seconds just to turn around and say hi to one another, just recognize one another at this time? Online folks, if you could say hi to our online uh, hosts, say hi to one another. Uh, also in the sanctuary as well, if you could turn around and say hi to one another as well. All right, well, my name is Harry, and I serve as the assistant director for our Route 20 College Ministry, and it is so good to see everyone here again on this Sunday. Uh, just a couple of announcements for us before we hear the word of God. The first announcement is this, every third Wednesdays of the month, and can you believe it, it's already the third week of May. Um, and we do these uh, teachings on the gospel stories, um, but we're actually going to look back at the Old Testament. And we're, this Wednesday, we're going to have another teaching series led by Pastor Chris. Um, and it's just an awesome time where you get to learn more about the Word. And oftentimes when we hear about the gospel, we think about, you know, the New Testament. But actually in Scripture, if we look at the Scripture overall, the Old Testament leads into this and it tells us the gospel story of Jesus. So uh, please join us on Wednesday night at 7.30. If you would like more information about it, you can check up uh, online on our Living Hope website. Uh, our second announcement is this. VBS is right around the corner. Um, it's crazy. It's coming. And we are going to be having both in and online, uh, per, like online uh, VBS. So right now, um, our in-person actually is pretty much full. Um, but there is a waiting list, so if you would like to sign up for the waiting list, you can. But we do have an online portion, and the online portion, anyone can join, everyone can join. Um, so please, if you have friends, families who have kids, please invite them to our VBS program. It's going to be awesome. Um, our church, Living Hope, we really love our children. And we firmly believe that we don't want to just share the word of God to older people, but we also want to share to our children. 
And we believe that the children need to hear the word of God. And uh, yeah, God loves his children. Uh, so please, please join us. And let's invite our friends and family with kids so that they can hear the very word of Christ. Um, but that's it for the announcements. If we could turn your attention to the screen, uh, Jenny is going to lead us in the time of prayer. You have given us uh, brothers and sisters and a church family that we can uh, walk through this faith journey together, um, that we can uh, encourage one another, that we can share our prayer requests to one another, uh, that we can bear one another's burdens, um, that we might confess to one another. And in all these things that you have commanded us to do, it is for our good. And so we thank you so much for the church body. Uh, we pray particularly for, for the staff, the church staff who uh, serves us so faithfully, Lord. Um, would you give them much uh, wisdom and, and unity and just fill their hearts uh, with the fullness of your gospel so that they may serve in abundance and joyfully. Um, for those who are here, Lord, um, Holy Spirit, would you just tailor to each one of us individually uh, that if those who are gathering here are weary, that you might strengthen them and wash your peace over them. For those who are um, feeling like they're in in a funk, um, that God, you would challenge and convict them in new ways and in new areas. Um, for those who are questioning and um, who doubt you, Lord, uh, may you give them the assurance of your presence and um, just reveal yourself to them. Um, after today, Lord, we pray for this uh, message and for the worship here that um, you might show and reveal yourself to us more clearly and that we might understand your heart towards us uh, more after today. And in all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, sorry, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to go and read verses 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting of, of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. 
Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I pray that at this moment that you will humble us to the truth of your word, that whatever presupposition we come uh, today to this verse, Lord, may we be changed by these words. May we be transformed by these words, Lord. May we honor your name by trusting in these words, for these are your words. So, Lord, be with us, bless us, and may we honor you by listening, eating your spirit, and glorifying your name. We thank you, Lord, praying in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I've been married for uh, a number of years, and um, I, I remember my first, uh, quote, fight with my wife when we got married. Um, and I, I remember that, um, and I remember it really clearly, too. Uh, at least I think, I'll tell you a little reason why I'm, I'm, a little do- I'm doubting myself a little bit. But the story is that when we got married, um, one of our first arguments, it, it was really stupid, as most uh, arguments that we had with our wives. Um, and I remember it was about um, shirts and clothes. I, you know, from, I don't know, I like clean clothes. And so whenever I wear a shirt, um, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, I have to wash it. I can't put it back in the drawer, and I can't wear it again. Um, and, and my wife had an issue with this. Because, no, you cannot be wearing a shirt only one time. you got to wear it multiple times. You know, so put it back in the drawer, and then next day you can wear the same shirt, right? And so we got in a fight. This is stupid, and I don't know how it ended. But, and so that's what I told the first service, okay? So then I had a talk with my wife in the middle of the second service. Because I told everyone here that she probably doesn't remember at the first service. She probably doesn't remember, you know, that, that argument, but she does. Okay, so, so in the middle, she corrected me. She goes, it was not a shirt. She goes, I didn't have a problem with you washing your shirt. It was a towel. She says, whenever you took a shower, you know, you, 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 you would throw that, uh, you know, towel after you dry yourself and put it in the hamper to be washed, right? So she had a problem with that, not the shirt. Um, and so... You know, she's probably right, you know, and I, I probably said a shirt to make me look good, <laughs> or in my mind at that time, and so that's the truth that I have, but, uh, but she corrected me. But, you know, one, forget the details if it's a shirt or a towel, I, I think it was very impactful to me because, you know, when you're young and you get married, right, you have this, this sense that once you get married, it's paradise, right? Um, you know, you're, you're with the one that you love. Um, you know, she loves you, uh, and you love her, and you're getting together, and now you're finally married, you know, all these, you know, hopes and dreams, and all these things, you come, and, and that first little mini fight kind of destroys that image uh, of that, of that paradigm, of this perfection that you thought it would be, not knowing that you are still a sinner, and that your wife is still a sinner, and you come to a marriage, and now you have two sinners, uh, coming together, um, and I think it was a shock to me that even though um, you want to try your best to make your marriage uh, perfect and, and great, that there's going to be some conflicts, that there's going to be some trouble, and I think this is where we have to turn to the Word of God to not only seek His guidance, but His truth, so that we can be changed, so that our marriage could honor him and reflect 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I, um, I realized about marriage. And, and, and as we think about this, you know, this St. This, this Peter, as he's speaking about, you know, what wives' responsibilities are and what husbands' responsibilities are, when we read it, we tend to think this is the word of God, and he's just dispensing truth. He's telling us like, like it is, and we should just follow. But we forget that Peter, though he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, from what little that we know, but we do know that he was married. That his wife, like I said, from the little that we know, we can conjecture that his wife supported his apostleship. That she was in the background supporting him. And we forget this. That he was not only an apostle, but he was a husband. And what he's speaking is not only the truth of God's word, but he's speaking that truth not only to you guys, to, to the people that he was writing, but he was writing it to himself. Because he knows the challenges of marriage. And he wanted not only in his own marriage, but in the people that were reading it, that the marriage flourished. That the marriages would honor God. And we forget that. And sometimes as preachers and teachers of God's word, uh, we forget that we're not only speaking God's truth, but we're also speaking to God's people who are struggling with that truth. And so there's a sense of, of, of pastoral care whenever somebody preaches here. And we've got to think the same thing, that when Peter is speaking these words or writing these words, it's not only the truth of God, but it's because he cares so much about the people that he's writing to, that, that he dispenses this truth. And he says, this will change your marriage. This, these words will change the way you view marriage. Heed it, listen to it, because it only benefits you if you read and follow. And so that's his, uh, and, but he also has an overarching uh, kind of theme um, that he wants us to realize when we're reading this. Because when we just look at verses 1 through 7 in chapter 3, and we don't, and the good thing about, you know, for us, we've been going through 1 Peter uh, week by week, and we've been seeing the context of it. And what he started off in chapter 2, towards the end of chapter 2, is that he was speaking about relationships in, uh, in, in, the, um, in the state uh, with the government. He was also speaking to about relationship between, uh, in the workplace. Now he comes to the most intimate relationship, which is the family or the husband and the wife. And in all of this, he's saying no matter what type of relationship, what kind of context of relationship is, you have to remember this one thing. And this one thing is that primarily you are living for Christ. You are living for him. Yes, you're, you're dealing with the, the person, your boss, your, the state, your husband or your wife. And you're living for them in one sense. But ultimately, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are living for him. Abraham Kuyper, who is a, uh, a theologian, a famous theologian, he created a, a, a seminary, he started a seminary, but he was also involved in the state, uh, and that was what he was passionate about, is bringing the state and the church and how they relate to one another. Um, and he was also a prime minister, he was very involved, uh, wrote a lot of things, is a great thinker. And I love this quote from him, because he lived not only in the church uh, context, but he also lived in the, in the government context. And he said this, he says, there is not a square inch 
in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Your marriage belongs to Christ. He is sovereign over your marriage. He is sovereign over your work. He is sovereign over the government. And it is him that we need to honor. No matter what context, whether we're at church, we're at home, we're at school, we're at work, it is him we glorify. And that is the thing that has to drive this verse. That's the lens from which we read this passage. Why? Why should we live for Christ? Well, Peter tells us in chapter 1 and chapter 2. We live for him, and he is the first and primary relations that we have. And the priority is because of what he has done for us and what he has given us. Let me remind you of what he wrote in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Those words are, are, are for us. Look at what he says in, in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is us. This is what he has done for us. This is what he has given for us. What fool would say, I don't care what he has done. I'm not going to live for him. Okay. If you truly believe that this has happened to you, that he has given you this, you need to live for him. He has to be the first priority. And that's how Peter sets this passage up. He says, you have everything in Christ. He has in all these, you are a chosen people, royal priesthood. Now in your family, in your dealing with your wife and your husband, live for Christ. Honor him in your relationship. So let's get into the verse now, to the word to the, um, to the wives. In verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 1, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Most people stop there. Most people say, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. They just stop there. Okay, because that's all, some of the, the only truth that they want to know. And, and sadly, uh, whether it's this verse or the verse in Ephesians or Colossians or, or 1 Timothy, people have used those words, misread it, misunderstood it, and used those verses to either be abusive to their spouse or dominate their wives. But those who have done that, that's a sin. Because here is the truth. If you read God's word and you apply God's word and that leads you to sin, you have misread the word of God. You know, first thing in seminary, we, we, we're told, make sure that when you, um, 
study the Word of God. When you preach it, make sure that you don't take it out of context. And people love this. It goes, wives, especially, obviously men, be subject to your own husbands. They stop there. It says, wow, that's it. I can do whatever I want now. If you feel that way, not only have you misread, misunderstood Scripture, but you have sinned against God and your spouse. You know, when we look at the Word of God, when, what we see is how much it tells us about what God has done for us, right? That He has redeemed us, that He has died for us on the cross. Especially when you look at the epistles that we read, uh, one of the epistles is Peter, but all the other epistles, the apostles spent so much time telling us what He has done and what He has given to us. And then he gets into the, the practical part. The second, usually the second part of the epistle is the practical part. And then he says, do this. Love more grace. Show more grace. Be hospitable. But the context is he has given you so much. He has done so much for you that you have all that you need in him. All the spiritual blessings of heaven, as Ephesians tells us, is yours. Now, everything else, you give. That's what the apostles are always preaching. God has given you so much that you can't take any more from others. You just have to give. You have to give the love. doesn't matter if you receive love. You have to give it. doesn't matter if you receive hospital. You have to give it. You are so filled with what God has filled you with. The only thing that you can do is to give. And if you read this passage and says, all wives need to submit to me. Who benefits? You do as a husband. That goes against what the Bible says. The one who should benefit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the, the husband will read this passage and say, I want to take advantage of this passage so that it benefits me. But that's go, that goes against the word of God and what Peter is trying to teach here. So what is Peter trying to teach here when he says, wives, be subject to your husbands so that even if some do not obey the word of God, word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. So submission, um, this is John Piper and uh, Wayne Grudem in their famous book, I guess, um, uh, Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Um, this is how they define it. This is not the whole definition. It's just the first part of it. But uh, they said that submission refers to a wife's divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. And I don't want to, you know, um, not say enough, too, about the Word of God. The Word of God says, yes, you need to be submissive. They, you know, the, the wives have to take on or have to submit to a husband's leadership and carry it through according to her gifts. But as you read this, you read that it's a divine calling. It's not my words to you, but it's God's words to us. It's a divine calling to honor and affirm is to lift up your husband. Lift up your husband and carry according to her gifts. Meaning that everything that she has received from God, the gifts, she's going to use it to elevate the husband. That's what's happening here. 
That's what Peter is trying to say. So if that is true, the submission cannot mean that a wife has to agree with her husband all the time. You know, one, one key truth here is husbands are sinners too. Okay? They're not perfect. And so husbands sometimes, because they're sinners, they're led by selfish gain. And so if they're led by selfish gain, sometimes he's going to come up with ideas or do things that only benefit him. Now, should a wife agree to all of that? No. There has to be a discussion. Submission does not mean that you avoid every effort to change a husband. It doesn't mean that the wife sits quietly and lets her husband do whatever, any kind of sinful behavior. You know, know, I don't know if it's just me or just general what guys are, but... When, you know, when we think about marriage, uh, after we get married, uh, we won. You know, we won. You know, we have not conquered, I don't want to say conquered, but we have, we have married the woman that we love. And that was our whole accomplishment, right? We won, and so we had to kind of sit back and say, you know, almost look at the trophy, right? <laughs> because we won, that, that's our reward. But for a wife, like I said, I don't want to put it on there, but for a wife, it seems like that they're just starting. Once they get married, oh, now I'm going to mold him and change him into a better man or a better husband, right? And so, so that, that's why there's some conflict. Uh, but, you know, so it doesn't mean that a woman can't change a husband for the better. It doesn't mean that a woman can say, can you do this? Because I think this will help you honor God more. The wife doesn't have to be silent. She can be the vehicle for husband's change or transformation into more a gospel-centered person and man. Submission does not mean putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. Christ is Lord. There's only one Lord in a marriage, and it's not the husband or the wife. It is Christ. He has the final say. And lastly, submission does not mean that a wife is to act out of fear. Uh, But it is a submission that is free, not coerced. It's your choice, wives. It's your choice to submit. Man cannot, a husband cannot demand. Man cannot say, you submit to me right now. It's a free choice by the woman. Because she wants to elevate her husband to a higher level of Christianity. And people just stop there. Like I said, we like, you know, people like to just stop at certain places because they're done. Because they think, well, that's the only characteristics of, that a wife should have in a marriage. But Peter doesn't stop there. He puts a couple of more characteristics. And they're all interconnected. He says, yes, yes, be subject to your husbands. Be submissive. Yet there's something more that a wife is and does that enhances the marriage. And the second thing is in verse 5, where this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. So when you read that, it says, holy women who hoped in God. Women. Wives, 
one of the characteristics, one of their roles is to put their hope in God. In spite of sometimes the um, unwillingness for the husband to do so. Um, I, I remember um, a couple of years ago, and, um, and most of you know, I think, here, if you've been here for more than a couple of years at our church, that uh, my son was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago. Uh, and it was a very um, difficult and trying time uh, for our family. It, it, was, it was devastating for us. Um, it was hard for me, uh, really, really tough, and I had a really tough time grasping why this would happen. Um, and my wife, Gina, she was also devastated. Uh, she was devastated, and, um, you know, we, we cried probably more than we've ever cried about, about something. Um, but there was something in her that probably wasn't in me. Um, and that was this, this hope in God. Yes, she was devastated, and, and it was, there was full of tears and a little sadness. But throughout that whole time, she always had a confidence that God would get us through. I sometimes didn't have that. I had a harder time putting hope in God in that situation. And I think what, what helped me to grasp onto God more was her. Because she put her hope in God and she had a confidence. And I was allowed to or able to cling on to her hope. And she kind of helped me through that. I, I think it, it taught me that, that that is something that every wife should, needs to have and can have. That is something that my wife taught me. That's something that my wife taught me so that I can be, a be quote, a better Christian. That no matter what circumstances may come, that I can still put my trust in God. So a wife's role, it seems like, is to put hope in God. Second, the last thing says, develop true beauty, which is a gentle and quiet spirit. If you look at verses um, three, it says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting of jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, be imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight, is very precious. Now, this doesn't mean that women shouldn't take care of herself, that she, didn't, she, does, she shouldn't put in jewelry, that she shouldn't, shouldn't braid your hair or do your hair, that she should just walk out of the, you know, the house, all, you know, hair going all over the place and carrying what, you know, wearing whatever she wants. This is not what the Peter is saying, okay? I, I like when my wife dresses up, right? All right? I, I like when she combs her hair, right? <laughs> things like that. It's not something against those things, but those external things cannot be the priority. What Peter is saying is, Make sure that the inner beauty is your priority. That that comes out more than the outer beauty. And people think, well, what does that mean? Well, it means to have a gentle and quiet spirit. And people think, well, okay, if that means okay, that my wife has to be gentle and quiet spirit. She needs to be calm. She needs to be submissive. And we think that that is a ladylike quality. That some, some reason that only women or wives should be gentle and quiet. No, you know, men can be that too. Men can be gentle and quiet or have a quiet spirit. And you know why? I know that. 
It's because Jesus had that. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Come unto me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit. What Peter is saying is that these qualities, these inner beauty that the wife is supposed to have, it's not a ladylike quality, but it's a Christ-like quality. He is telling the wife, be like Christ for your husband. Have that gentle and quiet spirit so that you can elevate him, so that you can honor him. See, this being submissive, putting hope in God, developing true inner beauty is done so that the wife could elevate, honor her husband in God's sight. It's about giving. Well, at the end, the wife can say this. The wife can say, my goal, my priority, what I want to do is to have my husband honor God. That's what Peter is saying. Wives, through your submission, through your divine inner beauty, elevate your husband so that he can honor God and God can be honored by him. That's what he's telling the wives. Now to the husbands, he only has one verse. Okay. And, uh, you know, some people say, well, it's, you know, because husbands are harder. <laughs> so uh, wives have to do more. Than, than the husbands. Um, but I, I'm not sure about that. But in verse 7, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That's it. In an understanding way. Or be considerate of them. That's the husband's role. What does that mean? It means this. It means know who they are. Understand who they are. Understand what they need. Understand what they do. And then he goes on. In case you didn't know who that was or who your wife is, showing honor to the woman at the, as a, since they are heirs with you. And what's that all about? Well, they're heirs to the kingdom of God. They're Jesus' heirs. All the promises that we read in chapter 1 and chapter 3, that belongs to them too. They're equal in spiritual privilege. They're equal in eternal importance. That's who you have as a wife. A cherished one. God looks at your wife and loves her, elevates her. Should we not as husbands do the same? We need to give honor. It says showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. You know, we get tripped up by the word weaker vessel. You know, we think, well, weaker vessel, what is he talking about? Does it mean physical? Does it mean what? I'm not sure. It could mean physical. It could mean that that's just a, a term that people use at that time. But that's irrelevant. Because he already has told us who she is, who our wives are. Co-heirs with us. And so if that's the person that we're married to, should we not honor them, take care of them, lift them up? And so you see what Peter is doing here. Peter is saying, this is the beautiful marriage. This is the gospel-centered marriage. Is when a wife says, 
I long to see my husband honor God and him be honored by him. And a husband, likewise, says, I long to see my wife honor God and be honored by him. And I'll add this last part to both, even if I'm not honored. That's a beautiful marriage in God's sight. That is precious in God's sight. Let me just give you a couple of um, implications or applications to this truth. You know, Peter says um, in verse 1, says, even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So he's talking about women who are married to um, non-believers. And as one pastor said, um, you cannot nag your non-believing husband to the kingdom. Okay? And you, and you want to preach the gospel to them, but you can't nag him. But Peter says, but you may be able to with your conduct, with the way you treat him. So if you're married to a non-believing husband or vice versa, let your conduct speak loud in your life. May they, be, may they see God's grace in your life. May they see God's love in your life. And may they see it through the way you treat them and share with them the gospel center of life. You know, the second application is, uh, you know, I, I forgot to mention this, but I know that not everyone is married. Um, you know, not everyone here. Um, some may be engaged. Some may be close to marriage. Some may be pretty far away uh, to marriage. But, but here's a thought. Uh, whether you are ready to get married or whether you're still thinking about it, um, is that is the person that you're planning to marry someone who you want to honor for Christ's sake? For those who are engaged, as you look at your future spouse, is this a person that I want to elevate that I want to push so that he could honor Christ. And that's, the, that's, not, not, that's not the only question you should have, but that should be one of the top questions that you have. And then the last thing is, you know, for, for probably, you know, good reasons, um, God has put a illustration. You know, pastors talk about illustrations to describe a certain truth. The certain truth that, that partic- the great truth is how God redeemed us and wants to have a relationship with us. His illustration is marriage. That's the vital illustration that, that he has for us. Meaning that if, the way he says, if you want to see what the relationship, the bond is between God and, and humans, look at marriage. Marriage should reflect that. And the question that I have for the married people here is, you know, if your kids, if you have kids, if your kids came up to you or somebody came up to you and asked you, what does it look like to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ? You should be confident and say, look at my marriage. Because that's a reflection. That's the illustration that God has given. See how look at Christ's love and his sacrifice for us. I'm sacrificing for my wife, or the wife is saying, I'm sacrificing for uh, my husband. See how much Christ loved us unconditionally? 
they should be able to see in your marriage your unconditional love for your wife and vice versa. And I'll end with this. So what is at stake here? Most people read this passage because, well, the stake is, is my marriage. Because especially during the pandemic, I know there is, you know, probably increased struggles with marriage and difficulties. And, and you want to get that marriage right. You want to be able to live, a, a, you know, a godly, uh, you want to be able to say that my marriage is a godly marriage. It's based on grace and it's based on the gospel. And what's at stake? Maybe it is your marriage. And you read these words and you say, you know what, I, I, I got it wrong. I got to change the way I do. I got to treat my wife or a wife. I got to change the way I treat my husband. I'm going to read these, these passages to save my marriage. What's at stake? Yes, it could be a marriage. But I, I think, you know, if you're a believer, there's a greater stake here. And that is the honor of Jesus Christ. And who is it? Who he is. Because marriage reflects who Jesus is and his love for us. That if we don't follow Peter's commands, his words, then, he won't, then our marriage won't be pleasing to God. And then God and Jesus Christ will be dishonored. But if our priority, if our number one goal is to glorify God, if we don't get our marriage right, it dishonors God. And that's at stake. Are we, as believers, going to glorify God and honor him through our marriage or not? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage, Lord. I, I know that um, people may be struggling in their marriage, Lord. Or maybe some people who are not married, they're struggling to see marriage as a reflection of the gospel because of what they see. And Lord, I pray that we may heed God's word and Peter's words here, Lord. We may understand that these things that Peter wrote are for the benefit of us in order for us to have a, a gospel marriage. But also, uh, he wrote this so that your name may be honored. Lord, if our marriage is not that right now, Lord, can we, can, Lord, please change us, Lord, transform us by the gospel so that our treatment of our spouse will be a reflection of your love. May you transform not only the individual but the marriage itself so that our marriage honors you, Lord. What's at stake ultimately is, a, is, is your honor, Lord. Are we reflecting who you are? If not, may we do so, Lord. We thank you, Lord, praying in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, we're going to change direction a little bit for the last about 10 minutes. You know, we, Living Hope, has an immense privilege of being able to partner and support uh, gospel work all across the world. Uh, whether it be uh, training youth workers in East Asia with a family that we have over there, or whether it be a church plant in Honduras and uh, about 250 kids that are being sponsored by people from here, or with a church plant down in um, 
in, in the Irvine area with a former staff member uh, called the Zoe Church. And I want to just introduce to you now Pastor Dave Newman and his church plan, Neighborhood Life Church. Dave and I have been friends for a couple of years now, and I've come to love Dave uh, on so many different levels. We've partnered and worked on, on many different things when the pandemic started. There are little church plant began hand, uh, delivering groceries to the elderly who just couldn't go out and, and buy groceries themselves. And we say, gosh, you know, you're doing such great work. Can we, can we join you in that work? And, and um, so our, our church fan was going all over the, the area delivering groceries. And we, some, a lot of our people kept uh, helped with that when feed, we were doing Feed Brea, I asked Dave, hey, do you want to participate in that work? He said, sure. So he, they would deliver groceries um, to families that are in need in La Mirada all over the place. And, and so what we're, we're, what we're doing is we're partnering with them mm -hmm. uh, in their work and saying, hey, you know, let's, let's be like, let's, let's DTR and let's be more than just a neighbor church, but let's be like sister churches. There you go. <laughs> And so we did that, uh, we're doing that. And in addition, I want to let all of you know that Pastor Dave Newman, starting mm -hmm. June 1st, will be an adjunct church planter mm -hmm. with Living Hope Community Church, mm -hmm. meaning, <laughs> meaning he, he will be on, like on loan staff. Um, once a quarter, he'll worship with us, but um, he'll be at our staff meeting He'll, um, he'll give the best of who he is, and hopefully we can give him the best of who we are. We want to learn from him and vice versa. And so I'm so grateful. So he's going to tell you a little bit about his story. And then uh, some pe people from his churches are going to uh, uh, share us, us an original song, I, I believe written by Mama Newman, That's right? That's right. Yeah. So look, you're, you're, you can't, it's going to be awesome. I just want to let you know. All right? Um, Dave, tell us a little bit. Good afternoon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, good afternoon, Living Hope. Uh, Living Hope. Good afternoon. I am Sister Louise. I just want to, I had to give you a look because I saw she was like, does that mean you're not going to be there on Sunday? No, that's not what that means. That means I'm definitely going to be there on Sunday. And I get to worship with Living, we get to worship as a family with Living Hope for just once per quarter, and then me and Pastor Steve get to connect with each other. So all the uh, neighborhood life peeps that are hearing that for the first time, I'm not going anywhere. We're not going to, I saw her giving me a dirty look. I was like, no, 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 wait, wait. So good, good afternoon, family. So glad that we could be able to be here um, with you. Pastor Chris, I just, I really wanted to take a moment to affirm you, but first I need to say that I am so glad that um, God blessed me with a wife. This is my wife, by the way. I'm glad that God blessed me with a wife who loves God way more than she loves me. And so she is one of my rocks, and I appreciate her. And she, I be feeling bad for her when we have to roll to 20 different churches. And one day I was like, we go church plant. And she was like, huh, I didn't get the memo from God, right? And so um, I love my wife. And so thank you so much for your message. And as you said in your message, I love the fact that you made that a point in saying that you were taught that we had to keep things hermeneutically sound in seminary and that we don't step without the bounds of the context of the 
passage because it's pretty scary once that starts to happening. And so I just want to affirm a couple of points that you did this morning. Number one, you, you said that we, when we go out into the neighborhood, we, ha- we have to remember that we are preaching to God's people. And that while living in this arena as Christians, we are to live for Christ. Well, he also said that God has redeemed us and has given us all that we need. And I told you earlier in the last sermon, like, we had a John Piper moment at the same time. Like, as you were saying, John Piper, I was taking the same notes. And John Piper says that the chief end of man is to bring God glory. And I believe that we bring God glory at Neighborhood Life Church as well as Living Hope by living and sharing the gospel with everyone. Living Hope, I don't know if you know, but Neighborhood Life Church, Pastor Arco and I, Pastor Arco's keeping my time. He's already like, you're already over, Dave. Just quit, right? (laughs) He's our associate pastor. By the way, this is his wife right here. And so... Yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty bummed. They all keep, all the wives keep us in line, okay? And what we believe at uh, Neighborhood Life Church is that God has called us to be neighbors to the whole city. But our mission is to love God as well as to love our neighbors. Well, family, Living Hope Army who comes out and serves, we want to tell you guys thank you so much. Because Pastor Chris, matter of fact, give y'all some claps, like... Like, when Living Hope volunteers, y'all volunteer. Like, y'all roll out. <laughs> like, it's amazing. I even think Helen and her children are still serving in La Mirada, right? If I look around the corner, I probably see them. We had so many people come out. It was absolutely amazing. It was a beautiful expression as what Pastor Chris shared about how it is our responsibility as believers and as those who are living as Christ and reflecting his love with God's people, I believe that you guys have given and you guys are neighbors. And so I'm a preacher. I don't know if you could tell I'm about ready to warm up, but I actually just want to share a short story with you about um, our church. We get to, we have the opportunity to share and like to go with the homeless folks about three times a week. It's pretty amazing. Rashawn, I just want to call you. He's one of the therapists out there. As a matter of fact, I be thinking I come out sometimes to get therapy from him sometimes. I love this brother. He's pretty dope. And so like uh, uh, we get there and we get to spend time and we get to knock on doors and just listen to stories. And so one of these one of these times we were there at, uh, I'll tell you location, Project Room King, I knock on the door, but right there to the left of me is a guy just staring out and just looking out of the window. And I walk up to this guy and I say, hey, how you doing? He gives me his name and he goes, you know, today is my birthday. So I automatically go into my character and I go, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday to you. And when I look over at him, his eyes are just filled with tears. And he says to me, you know, no one has seen me happy birthday in about 20 years. 
Family, you don't know the impact that you have of just being present. When you are present, when you keep on coming back and spending the time and choosing to be the neighbors that God has called you to be, what you allow is space for others, which Christ has also called us to love, to be seen, heard, and known. All right, Arco's giving me the look. I'm going to go back to the corner. This is our worship team. God bless you guys. I'm looking forward to spending more time with you. Peace. so much for welcoming us today, Neighborhood Life Church. It's, it's fantastic to be here today. I'm really excited. I'm like super pumped. You know, the praise and worship team, I got, to got, I got pumped by them twice now. So I'm ready. I'm like, okay, they already got me all worked up. So I'm super pumped to be here with you guys today. We are all super pumped to be here with you guys today. And as we start this relationship, I'm just going to be excited every time. And so, okay, so this is free worship, though. Free worship, free worship. Which means, which means, if you want to sit down, that's okay. All right? I know we got some different moves that you can do when you're sitting down. You know, some people like to, you know, like wave their hands. Or you got the both hands move. You also got the standers. You know, I'm more of a stander. I can't keep, keep, can't keep still too long. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. You, got the, you can raise your hand there. You can wave it. We've got jumpers. You know, whatever God tells you to do, if you want to sing, it's okay. As long as you let God lead you today, then you're doing the right thing. Amen? All right. We're going to have some fun. Amen. Praise Him. Where would I be?
Jesus, may the love of our Father and presence of the Holy Spirit allow us to live for your glory. Amen. Amen. Hey, bro, bring us home, however the way the Lord leads you. I'm going to have my older brother come help me. Come on, pastor. I'm an old Baptist, so I love hymns big time. So you guys know Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace How sweet 
Now, as a Baptist, they teach us all 20 verses. Okay, yes, grow they do. <laughs> You sing like all the, but I'm not gonna torture you like the last service. And what we sing, my favorite part is the ending. And all we sing is praise God. Let's give God some Amen. praise. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Church say amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Steve, you better take this mic. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey. Don't get it started. All right, you are dismissed. Thank you.